My name is Stuart Mazell, and uh, welcome all of you here. Thanks for being here today with us, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. Uh, I know that this is a busy, busy time of the year. Plus, we have uh, still remnants of pandemic uh, problems going around, and, and I know it's just hard. It, it's a hard time in many ways. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for connecting. Um, I do want to say a couple of things. One, if you were not in Sunday school in the fellowship hall, I would ask you to ask one of the people who were there. And I know you don't know who they are, but you could ask around, were you in Sunday school this morning? Were you in Sunday school this morning? And then ask them what the five things are that make up a healthy relationship. And, and then ask them to like, give you an update on what that looks like. I think that would be really helpful for all of us. And second, we do have the service tonight, the joint service at five. I'm, again, I know busy season. You probably got plans to be all over the place. But as Sean prayed, it is, it is somewhat of a rare thing to have a Presbyterian church and a Baptist church and an Anglican church come together and worship together. It, you just don't get that very often. So I would encourage you just to please be a part of that service if you're able. I think you will get a lot out of it. I think God will bless you and encourage you. And, and we will bless and encourage one another as we are here. All right, having said all that, we are continuing our series on God in the flesh. We've been looking at how Jesus is God in the flesh. He wasn't just merely a man. He was God, but he was more than just God. He was also truly a human being. And so here we have in one person these two natures, God and man, in one person. And there's a mystery there, but it's a mystery that has huge blessings for all of us. And part of that blessing is what we're going to talk about today. If you like to read along in your own Bible you can turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and then make sure you have a finger over at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through, I think, the end of the chapter. Let's, um, and then you can read along with me, or if you would like to read on the screen, feel free to do that. This is God's word from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we are, we are certainly thankful. and thankful that uh, your mercies and kindness are just overflowing. Your love for us is so great and, and marvelous that we need power even to grasp it. So fill us, Holy Spirit, today. Let us know more of the love that you have given to us in Christ. Uh, give us insight into who you really are, Jesus, that we would celebrate you and worship you and serve you all of our days and even into eternity. And, and even for those who are here today or listening online, that they who do not net know you as their Savior, Jesus, that you would be at work in them by your Spirit, drawing them to yourself, showing them your beauty and your power and your love and your goodness. And let none of us hear these words of Scripture and hear this message and not be moved to worship, because that is what you call us to do, and you are worthy of that worship. So help us today, Holy Spirit, and we pray in the name of Jesus, and for your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. What if I told you that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was here with us this morning? He's worshiping right back there. Of all the places that he could choose to visit, of all the places that he could go this weekend, he came to Sumter, South Carolina. And of all the churches that he could be a part of, he came to worship with us, Westminster Presbyterian Church. And now, just to be clear, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is not in this room, unless one of you secretly is Mr. Johnson. And if so, you have a great disguise. But my guess is, even if you are not a fan of The Rock, there would be a, an excitement in the air. There would be a buzz around. There would be some of you who would probably want to get a, an ussy with him. You know what an ussy is, right? It's like a selfie, but it's with two people. It wasn't that funny, but okay. Um, and now, if you're thinking, you know what, it wouldn't affect me at the least if Mr. Rock was here, because I don't care anything about him. Well, then substitute someone 
famous that you would be affected by. Maybe if Adele showed up. Or maybe Tom Brady. Or maybe J.K. Rowling. Or Tom Hanks. Or Olivia Rodrigo. I'm trying to cover all my bases here. Maybe Bill Nye the science guy. Imagine what it would be like to have someone famous here with us. And there would be such excitement and happiness and a sense of awe and wonder at someone like that would be with us, right? If that's the way we feel and think about people like The Rock and Bill Nye the Science Guy, Imagine what we would really feel if we truly grasped what it was like to have our Creator come to be with us. To have the One who sustains everything by the Word of His power to be in our midst physically. And that's exactly what the Scriptures tell us. Because... As we read in these two passages, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we say we celebrate at this time of year. Jesus is Emmanuel, and the word means God with us. As we read in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. And if you're scratching your head and say, well, I don't know what Emmanuel means, then you move over to Matthew 1. And you read how Matthew says that that passage was fulfilled in Jesus. He says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is who Jesus is. God with us. God in the flesh and with us. This is what we celebrate. And as I was thinking about this week, I recognized that there is a certain comfort that comes from knowing that someone is with us, right? Uh, some of you know that in the first few years of uh, our marriage, Donna and I went to um, a few mission trips together. We went to Honduras, and we went to uh, Mexico twice. And obviously, we flew when we went to those mission trips. I'm not a great flyer. I've gotten better over the years, but I get a little nervous, a little anxious when I get on a plane. But one of those trips was not long after the terrible events of 9-11. So I was a little more nervous than normal. And on the flight back, we were supposed to sit beside each other, Don and I. But somehow our seats got changed and Donna ended up sitting with another member of the team, and I ended up sitting a few rows back with a complete stranger, and I was not happy. I was upset. 
I think I may have thrown a little bit of a hissy fit, just a little. Because I was thinking, if something happens on our flight, and we all go down in a great flaming ball of fire, I don't want to be sitting beside some random stranger. He's not going to give me any comfort as I'm going down in flames. I mean, if we're both going to die, Donna and I, that is, in that big crash, then I don't want us to be separated. I want to be with her, and I want her to be with me. Yeah, that's a little morbid. I get it. But there's a psychological truth going on there, right? Most of us would admit if we're facing death, if we're facing a difficult circumstance, if we're facing something hard, we would rather do it with somebody with us. Not alone. And that's the good news of Emmanuel, that God is with us in Jesus. The Son of God literally came to be with us as a human being. He entered our world and he experienced the world around him with us. He truly was with us. But that's not where the good news ends. That would be good enough. That would be astounding, but the good news doesn't stop there. Because we all know that there's a possibility that someone can be physically present with us and not really be with us. You get what I'm saying there? When someone says, I'm with you, they don't probably mean I am physically with you, I am in your presence, but that's as far as the withness goes. You're on your own. That's not what people mean when they say I'm with you. No, what they mean when someone says I'm with you, they normally mean I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. I've got your back. I'm on your side. I'm here to defend you. I'm here to protect you. I care about you. And that is what we need to remember about the goodness of the good news of Emmanuel. He isn't just with us. The God who is with us is also the God who is for us. That's good news. The God who is with us us is also the God who is for us. In the context of the passage that we read from Isaiah chapter 7, King Ahaz of Judah, who wasn't a very good king, he was threatened by this alliance of two other kings. And instead of crying out for help to God, he turned to an Assyrian king uh, Tilgath-Pileser. But then God met up with Ahaz and he said, look, I will rescue you from this plight. I will do it, not Assyria. I will. Now, ask for a sign. I'll give you any sign that you ask for to show you how much I really am going to rescue you. But Ahaz, for whatever reason, said, nah, I don't want to do that. Some people think he was feigning humility. 
Other people have other interpretations of what was going on. We really don't know what was going on in his heart. But we do know this, that God did not like what Ahaz said. And he says, oh, well, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm, even though you refuse to take the sign that I, that I told you I was going to give you, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And this is a sign that shows you that I am not only with you, but I am for you as my people. The sign of Emmanuel, God with us. And then we read in Matthew that that's just what Jesus is. He is Emmanuel, not just God with us physically, but God with us to rescue us, God who is for us. As one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture says, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, hear these these good words of good news. Paul writes, what then shall we say to these things? And he's been talking about how God is from beginning to end in control of our salvation. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I've used this illustration before, but it's such a good one that I feel like I need to use it again. So a a friend of mine, a friend, actually a mentor, he would point to this passage and say, this is sort of like, if I told you I was going to give you a million dollars, let's go down to the bank and I'm going to put a million dollars in your account. You would be excited about that. You'd be happy about that. You would think, wow, this is great. But on the way, you say, I'm hungry. Can we stop for a bite? And we pull into, you name your favorite fast food restaurant. Don't want to, you know, be offensive to anybody by naming one and not naming the other. But you pull in and you order. You reach into your wallet and you have no money. And you go, oh, this is so embarrassing. You're giving me a million dollars and I don't even have money to pay for my lunch. And my my mentor friend said, do you think I would really not give you five bucks? Which it was at that time. That's how long ago it was. Do you think I would really not give you five bucks if I've already told you I'd give you a million? Do you think five bucks would be a big deal to me? If God is for us, and he is, How do we know that? Emmanuel, God is with us in Jesus. Then who can be against us? And if he, if God gave up his own son, what else do we really need that he would not provide for us? That's the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, God has already provided for our greatest need. As we read in Matthew 1.21, that Mary would bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, which means God saves, Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. This is what it means for God to be with us and for us. Our sins cause us to have a separation from God. 
Our sins keep us from having a relationship with God. Our sins mess us up and mess each other up. But Jesus is Emmanuel, God who is with us and for us. And He is the one who came and put on flesh and dwelt among us. And He lived a perfect life that we never could live, obeying every law of His Father. Everyone, all the ones that we've messed up on, He obeyed them all. And then He was willing to take all of the penalty of our sin upon Himself at the cross. And He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God in Him. And then He rose from the dead and gave us the life of the resurrection so that we would live with Him forever. This is what it means for God to be with us and for us. He saves us from our sins. That's good news. It's great news. Because let's face it. <laughs> it was a little hard, sorry. Um, We've all had people who were physically with us. They were in our presence, but they weren't really with us. People who stabbed us in the back. People who smiled to our faces when we were in their presence, but when we were out of their presence, they went off on us and said nothing but negative things about us. They really weren't with us. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I am not just with you, I am for you. And that's not even where the good news ends. That would be enough, right? We could leave. We could say, all right, here's the benediction. Let's leave right now. But that's not all. It's amazing. It's like those knives that do more things. But wait, there's more. There is more. There's even more good news about Emmanuel. And let me, let me start it this way. When I was in middle school and high school, I had some great friends. Uh, Scott Thompson and Kirk Mazell, yes, he had the same last name as me because everyone in Bertie County is related to me in some way. Um, I thought those friendships would last forever, that we would be close forever. And I still consider them friends, but we have drifted apart. When I was in college, I had some even better friends. And those friends weathered some really dark times with me, and I, I weathered some really dark times with them. But those friendships didn't necessarily make it through the passage of time. But the promise of Emmanuel, the promise of Emmanuel is that God is with and for us forever. He is with and for us forever. There will never be a moment where Jesus will drift from you. You may drift from him, but he will never drift from you. There will never be a time when Jesus says, you know what, I'm kind of tired of this relationship. I think I'm going to move on to someone else. 
There will never be a time when Jesus will ghost you. And if you don't know what ghosting is, ask someone from Sunday school. We had this whole discussion. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus has just risen from the dead and he said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I, I can imagine the disciples are like, whoa, that's heavy. That's a lot. And Jesus, our Emmanuel, says, and behold, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Or think about what the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, where the author of Hebrews says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because our God has said in Christ, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never. And the emphasis, I don't want to get all Greeky on you, but the emphasis in the Greek is on the word never. Never. It's like saying, I will never, ever, 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 pinky promise, I promise you I will never leave you. That's good news. The God who is with us in Christ is for us, and He is with and for us forever. If you are in Christ, there is nothing in all creation that will sever the bond, the relationship that you have with Jesus. Nothing. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate during this month. That's what we celebrate every time we gather together in a worship service like this. And so my action point for you today is this. Celebrate good times. Come on. <laughs> Celebrate because God has proven He desires to be with us. And honestly, this is the point that probably gets me the most. You know, I'm not that sentimental guy that, you know, just is sentimental about everything. But I tell you, the fact that God has said, I am with you in Christ. I'm going to send my son to be with you in the flesh. And he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be for you. And he's not only with you and for you, he's with you and for you forever. And there will never be anything that can separate you from me. That tells me that God desires to be with us. God desires to be with us. It's the whole promise of Scripture. 
I will be your God. And you will be my people. Some of you remember Marty Sinus. It's been years since Marty's been here. But there was a there was a time when he called me and left a message on my answering machine. And he said basically, hey, I don't know how you're doing. I don't know what's going on. I care about you. And I just wanted to check in on you and see how you were doing. I know you check in on a lot of people to see how they're doing. I just want to see how you're doing. I heard that message and I wept. Because here was somebody who desired a relationship with me. Not for what I could give him, but just because. That is our God in Christ. He desires that relationship, not because of what we can give him, but just because he loves us, just because he chose us, just because he said, I want you to be a part of my family, and I want to lavish you with my love. I want to lavish you with my grace. I want to give you everything that I can give you because I love you you. That's worth celebrating. That is worth celebrating. And I know we're all Presbyterians and our celebration is like, yay, but we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate that. So if you're going to celebrate this Christmas, I mean, yeah, you can celebrate all kinds of things. You can celebrate, you know, all the traditions and all the things of Christmas, but If you're going to celebrate, celebrate Jesus. Let everything you do celebrate who He is and what He's done. Let your lips keep going. So let's, yeah, you can put it up there. So let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate Him and invite others to celebrate with us. And here's another action point that I didn't put. You want to celebrate Jesus well and you want to invite others to do that? we got a Christmas Eve service. This is one of those times where you can bring people. People will come to a Christmas Eve service that wouldn't come to a service like this. So I'm going to invite you to invite others that you know that maybe don't even know Jesus. Maybe they're not part of the church. Yes, I know we have communion on that night, and that makes it for a little tricky because you know, you're inviting them in, and then you're saying, oh, I'm sorry, you can't take communion because you're not a believer. That's a little weird, but at the same time, I invite you to invite others so that we can celebrate Jesus together. And maybe, maybe they'll see something of the joy in our hearts. They'll see something of the joy in in the way we sing, in the way we celebrate. And then we can say, yeah, this is the truth, that God is in the flesh. He is with us. He is for us. He is with us and for us forever in Christ. Don't you want to be a part of that? Who could say no to that, right? Let me pray for us.
Lord Jesus, help us to celebrate you because you are worthy. Father, thank you for this great good news that you've given to us that we really are the recipients of your immense, lavish grace and love in Christ, that you would be with us and for us forever. And let that really well up inside us this season, that we wouldn't simply go through the motions of Christmas, but that we would see Christ in all of his glory and celebrate. And this we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.